Chat with Traders is sponsored by Trade the Pool. Are concerns about limited buying power, insufficient capital, or fear of losing your own money preventing you from advancing your trading capabilities? Trade the Pool is an online stock trading prop firm that offers funding for stock traders. Demonstrate your skills, trade their capital, and keep your profits. You can engage in intraday trading and now swing trading on Trade the Pool with any U.S. stock or ETF. The procedure is straightforward. Pay an evaluation fee, successfully complete the evaluation, and get funded. Visit tradethepool.com forward slash chat to learn more. You've seen the headlines. Bonds are making a comeback. But if you've ever tried to invest in bonds, you know what a clunky, complicated, broken experience it can be. That's why at Public, they took fixed income and fixed it. Now you can find, evaluate, and buy thousands of bonds with an investing experience designed this century. Add fixed income to your portfolio with corporate, treasury, and municipal bonds. Go to public.com forward slash bonds podcast to get started. This podcast is sponsored by Public. Full disclosures can be found at public.com forward slash bonds. The biggest secret of the best traders in the world is that they're just like everyone else. However, they've worked hard to learn the markets and discover what works and what doesn't. But how can you hear about these journeys and get in on the strategies and tactics they use? You can do it by listening to Chat with Traders. Here's your host, Aaron Fifield. Hey there, what's up guys? Big thanks for tuning in to this week's episode and as per usual, it's really great to have you listening. Now, let me introduce you to my guest for episode 44, Michelle Koenig from Montana at the very top of the United States. Michelle is primarily a swing trader of technical chart patterns but also takes an occasional intraday position when she spots an opportunity. During our discussion, we spoke about a whole range of really interesting topics to start with, we covered Michelle's first few years when starting out, where she had some early success, then shortly after, lost almost everything. We spoke about how this happened, how she was affected, and how she bounced back. Plus, some of the other highlights would have to include insight to Michelle's scanning process and how she tracks a watch list, a reminder not to trip over dollars while trying to save dimes, and some words of wisdom to traders who are yet to break through. Now, I'd like to give a quick reminder about the Chat with Traders giveaway that's now in full swing. So if you haven't entered or heard about it already, this is your chance to win a free 90-minute one-on-one mentoring session with a pro trader. So if you'd like to enter, it's very simple. Just go to chatwithtraders.com forward slash win. That's W-I-N. Plus, you can get more info there as well. And if you have already entered, then take this as a friendly reminder to share the unique URL you received immediately after you entered. Because for everyone who enters the giveaway via your unique URL, you receive an additional nine entries instead of just the one entry you receive by default. So if you want a way to ramp up your chances of winning, then get busy and start sharing. Okay, so in case you didn't catch this, for more info and your chance to win a free mentoring session, go to chatwithtraders.com forward slash win, W-I-N and enter now. And just a heads up, entries will be closing 7th of November and there will be three winners. Now let's jump to this week's interview. I'm your host, Aaron Firefield. This is the Chat with Traders podcast and here is my guest, Michelle Koenig of Trade on the Fly. Hey, Michelle, what's up? How are you? I'm great. How are you today, Aaron? 
I am doing very well. Thank you so much for making the time today to do this interview. It's really good to be speaking with you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you uh, inviting me to be on the show. Awesome. No trouble at all. I mean, it's great to have this opportunity and I'm really looking forward to hearing more about your swing trading approach, uh, plus some insight to how you manage day trades also. But before we do that, we'd like to learn more about you, your journey and where you've come from. So let's take this right back to when you very first began trading. So tell us, what was your introduction to trading and what were you doing prior to this? So my introduction to trading, um, I came from a finance degree at Montana State University and that's actually where my initial interest came from. Besides the classes that I had at the university, the biggest, I guess, catalyst for me was during my senior year, um, we had a lot of projects that we had to work on in groups with different members of my class. And one night, a group of us had gotten together to work on one of our projects, and we were all sitting around the table visiting about this and that and about the different jobs, you know, the part-time jobs that we all had while we were in college. And there was one fellow there who was an older student at the university. And when it came to be his turn, we asked him, well, what do you do? And he said that he went down to his local broker's office every month or every quarter and would select a few stocks that he would buy. And if those stocks did well that month or that quarter, he didn't have to go out and wait tables or bartend like the rest of us. And I remember that has stuck with me and stuck with me after college and through the whole time before I started trading was how could this guy, you know, buy a few stocks and make enough money to pay all of his bills and pay for school by buying and selling a few stocks. And, and I really liked the idea of that. I liked the idea of not being tied to an hourly amount that I was earning or a salary. And so that always stuck in my mind after I graduated from college. And I um, left and went to work in pharmaceutical sales and moved away from Montana for a period of time. And when I moved back to Montana, um, went, uh, worked many different various jobs, you know, part time, and then got an opportunity to actually go to work just as an office manager for Edward Jones. And it was around the time that E-Trade and Ameritrade were kind of coming online. And so it was more realistic for people to, you know, be able to think about trading on their own from their own computer um, and more affordable. And when I left there, I actually went to work in software sales. So I was sitting in front of a computer all day long. And through the exposure that I had at Edward Jones, decided that I wanted to try and start trading part-time on my own while I was working in software sales. So that was um, my early um, introduction, I guess, to trading and where the interest really came from was remembering that this guy had been able to be in college and not have to work these part-time jobs and make enough money through buying and selling stocks that he could pay his way. And I really um, kept going back to that in my mind that I would like to be able to get to a point where I could be my own boss and not be capped by any salary or hourly rate in my earning capability. Sure. Okay. That's a really cool story. So while you were trading part-time, how were you learning? Were you reading books? Were you taking different sorts of courses or was it all from what you'd learned in your, in your finance degree? I didn't, I didn't use any of my finance degree. It was kind of trial by fire. 
And when I initially started trading part-time, there was no plan. I would spend time on message boards and, you know, just watching tickers on my screen, blinking back and forth. And I, I didn't really have any, um, I didn't have a plan. I just started trading stocks randomly and, you know, would try and find things maybe that were news related or earnings related, but I really had no clue um, when I started trading part-time as far as what I was doing. And, you know, my account would go up a little, it would go down a little, um, but didn't really make any headway early on part-time. And when I spent more time, you know, realizing I wasn't making any forward progress and had heard about technical analysis, decided that it was time to try and make some sort of a plan, start reading some books. And so I started getting books on technical analysis and started reading those books to try and figure out a plan for how I might be able to trade or things that might be able to help guide me in my trades. When I started trading, things were much different than they are today. We didn't have chat rooms. We didn't have the social media and the access to information that many traders have these days. And I certainly didn't have a, a mentor. I was, you know, sitting in front of the screen by myself trying to figure out what I was doing and, and didn't really have any clue. So things were a lot different back then. Okay. Yeah. And, and one of the things you mentioned there is how, you know, of course it was a lot different back when you started. Do you think that it was, um, you know, you said there was no chat rooms, there was no social or social media was less um, prevalent. Do you think that was maybe easier because there was less noise around and, and some people now say that now there's just information overload? Like how do you how do you feel about comparing those two these two times? What when, when I think back, I guess in hindsight always is twenty twenty, but when I look back at my early days as a trader versus when I look at the ability that newer traders these days have to access mentors or different um, tools to help them in their trading and then with the social media and the access to more information to help you make decisions. I wish that I had had a lot of those tools back then. I feel like my learning curve would have been um, a lot shorter, I think, if I had had access to that, you know, people to bounce ideas off of, mentors to help guide me, people to ask questions because like I said, back then it was just, you know, reading through books and trying to figure out I didn't have anybody at that time to, you know, verify, you know, was I on the right track or if I was having, you know, a difficult time being able to bounce ideas off of somebody or have somebody take a look at what I was doing to help me identify where I was making my mistakes um, and how to get back on track. So things are noisier today, but I, in my viewpoint, you know, I wish I had had a lot of the tools back then that people have access to today. Sure. Okay. Now that's really well said, Michelle. So let's walk forward another few years in your trading journey. Like how did you transition from trading part-time to, to going full-time? So I traded part-time for about a year or year and a half, I think, um, before I started trading full-time. And when I made the transition, I, I was fortunate in that my husband, you know, had a full-time gig and I hear from a lot of traders today who are wanting to make the transition without having, you know, something like that to back them up. So I was fortunate when I decided to, to make that transition that we had a steady form of income that we weren't reliant on everything that I was making to pay my bills. So that was very helpful. The software company that I was working for, lost all of its venture funding, and I decided at that point to try and make the leap from 
trading part-time into trading full-time for a living. Okay. And when you did that, did you have some sort of consistency with your profits at the time or were you still trying to find your feet? I was definitely still trying to find my feet. I had spent enough time looking into technical analysis that I knew that charting and trend lines um, and technical indicators was the direction that I wanted to go. But again, still didn't really have a solid plan or understanding of how much thought I should have been putting into it. I just decided I was going to make the leap. Um, and I had a lot of early success. Um, very early on, I was very more disciplined, I guess, in following, you know, some of my technical indicators and my chart patterns. And I had um, in less than six months, more than doubled my account. I, I When I made the transition from trading part-time to f going full-time, when I started full-time, I started trading with around $40,000. And I doubled that to a little bit over or right around $100,000 in less than six months. So I had some very early success very quickly. Unfortunately, along with that came a lot of overconfidence and a lack of discipline and thinking I was smarter than the market. And it has a very funny way of teaching us those painful lessons uh, very quickly. And through, you know, being sloppy, not following rules, not being disciplined, over trading, I gave all of that back and then some and had to basically start over more than once early in my trading career. Okay. And I'm keen to know because you came very close to blowing up your account, um, you know, two times, like you kind of mentioned there, what was it that that motivated you to keep going? Was it that you'd seen that you could make a success? Um, what was it that kept you going like after you'd just lost, you know, quite a substantial sum of money? Uh, I think one of the things, several things, I guess. One thing was that I, like you said, I had had some, you know, I had a taste of what it could be like. And I really craved, I guess, the independence um, that trading gave me. I've always had a very um, entrepreneurial spirit, I guess. So I liked being my own boss. I liked not being uh, set on a certain salary. I think also being very re resilient. I'm very stubborn and I don't give up on things easily. And so just because I'd had a big setback and it was very painful, it was very hard emotionally when that happened, but I still um, was not going to give up on this and felt like, that I could make it trading and just needed to get, um, you know, pick myself up and start moving forward again in it. So I think being resilient, you know, having an entrepreneurial spirit, um, being very self-motivated helped me um, continue to move forward with the trading. Excellent. Okay. Now, one thing I'd like to ask you about, um, and this is kind of talking about the, the beginning phase of a trader's development, I think it's fair to say there is a certain amount of confusion as in what I'm doing, is this a sustainable approach? Do I have solid trading principles and, and that type of thing? So with that being said, at what point did you begin to find actual confidence and clarity in your trading style? For me, I think when I started really treating it like a business, understanding that I needed to have a plan and a strategy and rules in place for moving forward and, and understanding also that taking losses was part of trading. Part of some of me going backwards with my account was the inability to be willing to take a loss. And that comes, you know, as trading is you're going to have losses and, and the key is to keep those losses small 
um, and continue to move forward. Even with any trade plan or trade setup that you may be working, they don't always work out. Um, and I see often that you know new traders take it personally and they're not willing to take those losses. They turn you know the trade into an investment and they start using the hope strategy. And I used to do a lot of that as well early in my trading. And so I think that um, making sure that you're focusing on what your plan is and treating it like a business. I don't think that anybody out there who's been in business for themselves or who would be thinking about being in business for themselves would think one day they would just wake up and say, oh, I'm going to open a business today. I mean, there's so much more to it. You have to have a business plan in place if you need to, you know, you're going to need to have a certain amount of working capital. If you need to go to the bank to get a loan, the bank is certainly going to require a lot of planning and strategy from you in order to get a loan from them. You're going to have to understand, you know, who your customers are, you know, and those sorts of things. And I think that starting to think about trading in more of a business sense helped me. Okay. And just so we're clear, before we move on too much further, how long into your journey was this moment when you did start to become a lot more confident and you, you did start to see a lot more consistency in your results? I would say it took me about three to four years to start becoming really consistent and having, you know, the confidence coming from having a plan, understanding what my personality style, what, what the trade style was that was going to work for me. Um, you know, I spent the first couple of years with a lot of ups and downs and, you know, three to four years into it, um, things started to smooth out with getting a plan in place, being able to follow the plan, being able to execute it. The other thing that also helped me a lot um, with that confidence, you know, and moving, I guess, from feeling, you know, like you're the up and down, up and down to being a consistent trader was getting the emotions out of it for me or starting to work on getting the emotional side of trading out. And for me as a new trader, I remember, you know, like that early success that I talked about. I mean, I just felt like I was on cloud nine. You know, I was making all this money. Life was going to be great. I could see the writing on the wall. I was already making plans for the purchases that I was going to make, you know, and it was a great feeling. And then going from that to the opposite end of the spectrum where I had gone backwards in my account and lost everything that I had made, um, that was, you know, equally in the opposite direction, just devastating and being really down in the dumps and feeling horrible about myself and not having any confidence and so that emotional roller coaster, it was really helpful for me in my trading as time went on. And I've been asked many times, you know, how do you get the emotions out of trading? And I've thought about that a lot because I get asked that all the time. And I think, you know, part of that certainly comes from having a plan and a strategy and understanding why you're getting into trades and how you're going to manage those trades, but also time in the seat. So as time went on, the big roller coaster became sort of more rolling hills to, you know, kind of more like a washboard when you're driving down a bumpy dirt road. So that helped me a lot as well. I like that. That's a really great answer, Michelle. So now let's talk more about your trading style and how you approach markets. So if you could give us an overview of your trading style and shine some light on the type of timeframes you're trading, your average holding time and what markets you're most active in as well. So I'm primarily a swing trader. I also day trade, but my the majority of the money that I make does come from my swing trades. And because I'm a technical trader, I'm looking at chart patterns and I use technical indicators to help guide me in those trades. So I'm looking for specific chart pattern setups. So maybe flags, maybe ascending triangles, maybe descending triangles, 
I also can trade within a range. So trading um, something that's, you know, in a support and resistance area that's clearly marked on the daily chart is another way that I can do my swing trades. And the best type of market to swing trade in is obviously one that's trending either up or down, which we certainly don't have this year. We've had a a very choppy market that's much different than what we've had in the last several years. So it's made it more difficult for swing trading this year. So tightening up the time frames and um, I use the 60 minute charts a lot to, I start out with the daily chart whenever I am doing my scanning and looking at any individual setup. I'll start with the daily chart looking for specific chart patterns or for example, maybe a pullback to a, a technical level that would make sense. For example, maybe the 200-day moving average on a daily chart. And then I will drill down to um, my 60-minute chart next to take a look at that to see how it's setting up in that time frame and to help me identify an entry. Sometimes I'll go a little further with a 15-minute chart, but very often I can find a level that makes sense for, for me on the 60-minute chart. And I'm looking also with my 60-minute chart to... See, um, for example, if it's a stock that's been pulling back on the 60 minute chart, I like to use the 50 period exponential moving average a lot to help me identify the trend in that smaller time frame. And very often, certainly not all the time, but very often um, in those 60 minute charts using the 50 period exponential moving average, I can look for trend changes above and below that moving average um, that will give me a nice shorter term swing, you know, maybe for you know, four or five days, maybe 10 days. But in this market this year, it's been more of a market to book the profits more quickly. So my holding times this year are certainly much shorter than what I would prefer to have, but it's the market that we have. Um, and so we have to learn to adapt and adjust to what the market's giving us. Okay. And just to hit a little more on what markets or what kind of um, stocks you like to trade more, I understand that you sort of prefer the cheaper stocks or the smaller caps more so than the blue chip stocks. I mean, what's your what's your reasoning for this? I mean, what are the key distinctions between the two? I mean, do they do they generally behave differently? And have you ever run into liquidity issues as well um, as these often trade lower volume? I would say that um, I I don't have necessarily a set you know market cap or type of stock that I like. Um, I do. I do like, you know, some of the lower float stocks when they do set up correctly, because being that they have a lower float, they can make some nice moves very quickly in short order, which is certainly nice. But I'm not going to discriminate either against uh, a higher market cap stock or, you know, a higher price stock either. So, you know, in for example, in my scans, I mean, I can have a wide range. I, I'm not afraid to trade something that's a dollar and I'm not afraid to tr trade, you know, Netflix or Amazon or Google either. Um, it's all related to the setup, you know, and the move that I think that it will make. What I will say in the setups that I like, I do tend to steer clear of the slower moving stocks just because even though I'm a swing trader and I have some patience, my patience is not great on the very slow moving stuff. So maybe the micro Microsofts of the world, you know, those sorts of things that tend to move slower are not usually on my radar. I'm looking for stuff that has more volatility and is going to have um, the ability to make a move, you know, in a shorter time frame. I don't want to have to wait months and months for the move to be made. I would rather see something be made, you know, in a three to seven or eight or nine or 10 day time frame. 
Sure. Okay. Now that's that's really good to to know. So, what are the advantages that you see of a swing trading approach? And then on the other hand, what are some of the challenges that come with a swing trading approach? Also, so I think the advantages with a swing trade trading approach is it, um, at least for me, it tends to be a more relaxed style. I'm looking for you know specific setups with certain criteria. And when I take those trades, I use set risk and you're trying to give, I'm trying to give that trade time to work. So I don't have the pressure of the trade has to work in this 15 minute time frame or sometime before the market closes today. I'm going to be able to give the trade sometime as long as this trade continues to act as I would expect it to act to go ahead and work to try and advantage for a larger gain with the swings. And because I'm able to give it that time within my set risk, you know, I can be more relaxed. I don't have to be staring at it tick by tick and worrying about, you know, a 25 cent move or 50 cent move up or down intraday that might be um, harder for a day trader to sit through. The disadvantages of being a swing trader are one of the things that's difficult for people people with swing trading is having the overnight risk, you know, the risk that news comes out overnight that's not favorable for your position. And even though you have a stop set in place that that stock may gap above or below wherever your stop may be. Um, and that risk is certainly out there, you know, and one, one thing that I talk about, or, you know, you can offer to people if they are um, hesitant with that is to use ETFs, the exchange traded funds, um, not that there still isn't risk with those, but your risk will be sped, spread over the basket of stocks that the ETF holds or over the sector of the commodity commodity that the ETF tracks. So, um, And the other thing as well with that, um, with my swing trades, I never hold into earnings. I never hold through earnings anymore, and I never hold through any news-related event that I know is coming. There are going to be times, though, that you are caught in something um, that's unfavorable. And so you need to make sure that anything that you are swing trading, you know, and holding overnight that it's sized appropriately so that if there is something unfavorable, it's not devastating to your account. Sure. Okay. Those are really great suggestions there, Michelle. So thank you very much for sharing those. Are you a developing or seasoned day trader who trades the U.S. markets? Is the only thing stopping you from getting to the next level is having enough capital to trade? Trade the Pool is a unique online stock trading prop firm that funds stock traders worldwide. Not having to risk your own capital can help you focus on other things like making better decisions on your trades. There's no PDT rules to worry about. You got more than 12,000 stocks and ETFs to trade, long or short, and professional tools at your side. How you get funded is you show them your skills through a straightforward evaluation process. Once you pass the evaluation, you get funded and trade with their pool of money and split the profits. Don't let the lack of buying power, capital, or fear of losing your own money prevent you from taking your trading to the next level. Visit tradethepool.com slash chat to learn more. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Are you able to share 
one or two of your favorite chart patterns or setups to trade? Like what's an example of something that really piques your attention once you see it happen? So I would say that on the daily charts, if I had to just pick two patterns that would be my favorites, I would say a flag pattern, whether it's bullish or bearish, um, I, I like the best. They're usually very clear and the volume is, you know, is going to confirm that pattern. Um, they take a little bit of time to develop, but usually I find those patterns to be fairly reliable and that when they do break out of that pattern, the moves move out of that pattern often is a very nice move that usually comes fairly quickly. The other pattern that I would say that I like uh, very well off of the daily charts would be, you know, triangles, either a symmetrical triangle or an ascending or descending triangle. Again, those patterns are very clear. The volume confirms within the patterns. And usually on the breakout of those patterns with volume, you know, you'll get a nice move that will extend for a period of time. Now, I do also really like if I and I've been asked this before, if you could only pick one pattern to trade ever, I really, really like using the 60 minute time frame with that 50 period exponential moving average, looking for um, what I call a trend change there. You know, if the stock has um, been in a downtrend, usually with that particular um, moving average, what I'll be looking for is um, the moving average will start to flatten out you'll see that the price will start sliding sideways and the price might even start, you know, perking above that 50 period exponential moving average, maybe back below it, back above it. But as the volume dries up and that moving average and price converge um, and that price will get above the moving average and hold, usually that will be a trend change there that will often be sustainable for a nice move or for a period of time, you know, and, and you can use it inversely as well if a stock has been, um, in a bullish mode and the price starts to falter and the moving average starts to top out and the price falls below it, you know, you can use it to short as well. So if I only could pick one thing to use in my trading, it would actually probably um, be that trend change up or down on that 60 minute chart. All right. Good one. That's, that's really cool. So let me ask you, what did it take for you to build confidence in these patterns and setups? Like what happened for you to be able to regard these as reliable patterns? Uh, and like, when did you, when did you begin to form a belief in the, in these patterns is what I'm trying to say. I don't remember, you know, I guess exactly the moment in time in my trading. I just know that, you know, early on when I started using the technical analysis books and reading and looking at the chart patterns and finding them um, over and over in my charting. So I, I store all of my charts in stockcharts.com. And so I've used that for almost my entire trading career. So I have 13 or 14 years. I think I've actually been a member there for 13 years. So I have 13 years worth of charts stored there. And I sift through those charts all the time. So part of getting confidence in those, I think, is just staring at them for years. I think that I'm, I am wired to love to look at charts. I love looking at charts. Uh, I think for me, it's a little bit like putting together a puzzle. And sometimes it takes a long time in the charts for, you know, a particular pattern to set up or for me to find something that I like or that makes sense. Um, and so I'll continue to monitor, you know, different charts that may be on my different watch list that I have for something that I can make sense out of, something that's tradable in 
in my mind. So I think part of, you know, having the confidence in the chart just has just come from years and years and years of looking at charts um, and, and following them. And, and now for me, when I look through charts, I mean, I can look through them extremely quickly um, and my eye just will almost automatically pick out whether I have lines drawn on it or not, you know, what the possibilities or what the setups are if they're there, um, I think just through a lot of repetition. Sure. Yeah. I like how you mentioned that repetition. And I mean, it's just something that's kind of happened over time and, and built up and formed. So yeah, that's really good. Now, you've mentioned um, already that you use uh, moving averages and ex exponential moving averages. Are there any other indicators that you use on your charts? And to what degree do these indicators influence your decisions to buy and sell? So through the years of figuring out who I was as a trader and what I wanted to use. I remember early on, I would go through a lot of different indicators and moving averages, trying to figure out what I liked. And I remember there was a period of time where it seemed I seemed like I had 20 different indicators on you know my chart and it was very cluttered and very confusing. And so again, through time and I think through trial and error, what I use now is on my daily charts, I use the 200-day um, simple moving average and the 50-day exponential moving average. I use the RSI and I use the MACD on my daily charts. And for me, my technical indicators are guides. And I, I think that that's really important, especially for new traders to remember that they are guides only. They are to help confirm what you're seeing with price and volume. Your price and your volume are most important and your technical indicators are there to help confirm what you're seeing or to help foreshadow the possibility, you know, of different trend changes coming, but not to be relied on solely. You've got to look at price and volume first. Then on my intraday charts, um, depending on the time frame that I'm looking at, like I've mentioned, the 60 minute chart, I like to use that 50 period exponential moving average along with volume. And then I use on my intraday charts, I use the slow stochastics a lot. Um, and what I use those for is to help with overbought and oversold levels to help me identify the areas as a stock pulls back or as it breaks out, you know, does it make sense to buy here? And so I love the slow stochastics intraday. And when I am day trading, I use those slow stochastics a lot with my charts. If I if I couldn't use moving averages at all on my intraday charts, I and I could only pick one thing, I would use my slow stochastics and volume. Okay, excellent. Now that was uh, so we kind of covered the the indicators that you use there, um, and you've mentioned previously that you like to stay out of the way of of news and that type of thing uh, when you know it's happening. What impact do fundamentals have on your trading decisions, if any? I would say 95% of what I do is all based on technicals and maybe 5% fundamentals. So I will go and look at, um, for example, short float or, or what the float of the stock is or, you know, how much is held by the institutions. Those sorts of things can be interesting to me. Also, insider buying, if there's been a a lot of strong insider buying, uh, that's of interest to me. And I will do a brief run through an earnings report if news has been favorable for a stock and they've, um, you know, come out with their earnings report, you know, I'll look to see what their forward guidance, you know, I don't go through it with a fine tooth comb, but I will sometimes look through an earnings report briefly to help support, I guess, the technical picture that I'm seeing. But 
like I said, it's a very small, the fundamental portion of what I do is very small and it's very limited to um, certain things that I'm interested, such as the float, the short interest, those sorts of things that could affect how quickly um, a stock may move. Okay. And where do you get access to that type of information that you just mentioned there? I pull most of it from finviz.com. And I know, you know, there that the short interest data is not necessarily as of today, but it's going to give me a general feel. But I just use Finviz. A lot of people use, for example, Yahoo Finance. Um, there's a lot of different resources online where you can access that sort of information. But I like the format that Finviz gives me that information. And they provide me a very nice chart when I look at that information. So I don't have to go chart it somewhere else. So I, I really like that as a bonus. Sure. Okay. Good one. So while you're predominantly a swing trader, uh, you also day trade as well. So what I'd like to know is how do you decide which trades you're going to be out of before the close and which trades you're going to be in for a swing position? So the swing trades that I have are all coming from my scans. My day trade stuff that I do during the day is going to come primarily from news related things that are moving during the day or, you know, it could be earnings. It could be, you know, any sort of news that's come out on something that's giving it intraday momentum. It could be a stock maybe that I've been watching that's trading in a range that I can make sense of intraday to trade. Now, what I will say there is there are times when I take something that's a day trade for me that's acting very well into the close that I will hold partial a partial position over if things are acting very well going into the close and I like my entry on it um, to hold for just an overnight you know maybe a one or two day swing so sometimes the day trades will turn into swing trades for me but I don't ever hold anything over that is not acting well into the close so my day trade um, primarily is going to come from something that's news related um, that's has momentum that's moving during the day. Okay, so in that case, how do you go about trading profit targets and, and deciding when you're going to get out of the trade and, and lock in your profit? Sure. The entries are always the most important part, and it's the easiest part of the trade for me. The exits have always been the most difficult part of the trade for me is figuring out you know where it makes sense. And, and what I do with my swing setups, um, the day trade stuff is different, but with my swing trade setups... I use a combination of my trend lines and my moving averages to once I'm in the trade. So on the on the entry of the trade, obviously my stop is going to be set below my entry. And that stop is going to be set again using a moving average, using a trend line and an area of support below that's within my risk tolerance levels that makes sense for me that should support the stock, you know, if it goes below my entry. Once I get cushion and once I have profit in the position, then I will continue to move those stops up. And I'm trying to be mindful in doing that, that I've got to try to avoid some of that intraday volatility because every stock is going to move up and down during the day. And you're trying to avoid getting stopped out on that intraday volatility on your swings you know, again, evaluating, is this stock continuing to act as I would expect it to act? Because nothing you know, or rarely does stuff go straight up or straight down. Things are going to move up and then they're going to do one of two things. They're either going to consolidate through time or they're going to pull back to a level that makes sense and work off the overbought conditions before they can move higher. So in 
figuring out where I'm going to exit the trade, I continue to use my trend lines and my moving averages to try and continue to give that trade time to work and move my stops up as the trade develops. Now, on the exit, it can be exited through um, two ways. If it's a specific chart pattern on the daily chart, so for example, a bull flag, there's a measured move or a potential measured move that comes with that target that I can be looking at as a possible exit. I can calculate where that is. It should you know, be clear to see on the daily chart. The, so that would be one option for me. The other option is to, if I'm using that 60-minute time frame, I can use my moving average and my trend lines to help continue to give that trade some room and time to work and continue to move that stop up um, and then just get stopped out of the trade with a profit, ideally, um, would be the other way that I'd exit is I would allow it, that trade to continue to work. And as long as it's acting as expected, I move that stop up. And once it stops acting as expected, that stop will take care of the position for me. So it kind of depends on what the setup is. If it's off of a technical pattern that I can identify a potential measured move, I'll, I'll be looking at that. Um, if it's off of a 60-minute chart that I'm using that trend change in, then I'm using my moving averages and my trend lines to help me. The other thing that I can look at there as well is areas of resistance above on the charts, on the daily charts, that it would make sense for the stock to pause at, you know, or if the stock is getting very overbought and very extended, that would be another option for taking um, the position off and allowing it to consolidate or set up again. And then I can always re-enter the position again off of a new setup. Okay, cool. That's really interesting. Now, Michelle, when we were speaking the other week, you mentioned that you ultimately like to keep your trading very simple. Could you speak to why you have such a great focus on avoiding complexity? I think that, like I mentioned earlier, you know, when, when I w was trying to figure out who I was and using a lot of different moving averages and having a lot on my charts, I found that it paralyzed me more than it helped me. And, you know, through the years, I've tried looking at different things to add into my trading. And I guess ultimately, maybe it's just how I'm hardwired. I'm a pretty simple person. You know, we live in Montana. We like pretty simple things. We don't live a very, you know, fancy or floofy lifestyle. And so maybe it's just kind of how I'm hardwired as a person. For me, when I look at the charts, if they're very clean, you know, and I can make sense of stuff, uh, you know, on the charts, that just works for me, I guess, for my personality style and who I am is just, you know, keep it simple, stupid. <laughs> sure. No, I like the way you explain that. That's, that's really cool. So could you walk us through your process for scanning? Like how do you go about creating watch lists? Maybe, maybe if you could tell us a little bit about what software you're using or are you visually scanning or are you using parameters and criteria to filter? Um, just, yeah, tell us a little bit about that. Sure. So the way that I do my scanning, um, and again, probably one of the most popular questions that I get is, can I have your scan recipe? And the way that I scan again, so in, in my stock charts account, I have my list, you know, I have a, a trade watch list. I have an ABC list. I have lists of stocks by different sectors. And the way that I, my, my ABC list, I'm scanning through every day, just visually going through and, and, you know, so one of those lists has about 260 charts in it. You know, I look at probably anywhere from three or 400 to 600 charts every day. 
And so my scanning process is very antiquated, probably. <laughs> you know, it's I love looking at charts. It's just how I'm wired. I love, you know, just visually going through the charts to see what makes sense, what's setting up. The other thing that I do as well, though, is I can easily, as the money rotates from sector to sector, you know, if oil starts acting well, I can quickly pull, you know, my energy plays up and run through my list of setups to see which ones I want to pull and which ones I'm going to ignore. So within the setups, you know, and the scans, they're not even scans, my lists of stocks that I have, it's very easy for me to jump you know, to the sector with my list of stocks that I like in that sector or that I'm watching, um, you know, as the money rotates from sector to sector, you know, if gold's doing well, if natural gas is doing well, if cybersecurity is doing well, I can easily go to my list and stock charts and pull that up. The other way that I do pull new ideas or I do look for stuff that would be more shorter term or maybe for day trades is I'll look at the percentage gainers list. And again, I pull that from Finviz because it's very easy for me to go there and look at everything in chart format. So I can pull up the percentage gainers list in Finviz and run through the charts and then pull the ones that I'm interested in and leave the ones that that don't. So I don't have software. I don't have, you know, a scan that I use on a regular basis. I have a couple of scans, I guess, set up in Finviz. I don't use them very often. My scanning process is just a very manual process of just constantly looking at charts. You know, if if there's a new stock that comes up that's, you know, news related, I can put it into the appropriate list or I can put it into my A-list to start watching it every day to see how it sets up. And then what I do is I pull the charts out of stock charts as I'm interested in them or they're getting close. Then I pull them into my platform in Thinkorswim. Um, again, love the charting there. And I have about 60 to 70 charts up within Thinkorswim. So as something gets close, I can set my alerts in Thinkorswim and pull that actually over into my Thinkorswim platform and get it charted so that as it gets closer to being ready to move, I've got it up in, in front and center. Okay, excellent. That's really good to get um, some insight into how you go through the whole process of, of finding you know potential trading opportunities. So for whatever reason, let's say you do happen to miss a breakout or your ideal trade entry, how do you react to this? Do you let it go or do you chase it? Or perhaps you, I don't know, maybe continue to watch for a pullback of some sort. How do you react to this? Sure. So it, it depends on how far I've missed the entry by. And again, it depends on what the setup is. Sometimes I might take, you know, a small position ahead of the actual break and then um, buy buy it on the breakout of the pattern. But if I've, you know, gone upstairs to make a sandwich and I come back down and it's moved 10 or 20 cents above where the entry was, oftentimes because I'm looking for larger gains, I'm not going to, for at least for myself, I don't worry about 10 or 20 cents because I'm not scalping. Um, so a lot of times if it's a little bit over my entry and I really like the setup, I'll go ahead and buy if it's moved significantly away from what the entry is, I will wait for some sort of either a retest or for another setup. And I see often, especially with new traders, um, you know, they just want to chase or then or they'll just, you know, forget about the setup. And, and the thing about good setups is they'll continue to offer entries, even if it's a at a higher price. 
the stocks will continue to set up over and over and over again. So even if you've missed the initial entry, you may get a retest or you may get another setup at a little bit higher level that you can make sense out of. I think the key is just to be able to find an entry and a setup that makes sense for your trading plan so you can have confidence in understanding why you're taking the trade. Am I guilty of chasing occasionally? Absolutely. But I try to avoid that at all costs because chasing is never a good idea. And certainly when I do chase often, I'm sorry that I did. <laughs> okay. So this is probably a good point to ask you about uh, the meat of the move. This is something I actually picked up from watching your webinars the other day. Um, so speak to us about your focus on just capturing the meat of the move and why you're not so concerned about being in for the entire range. For myself, I think it's not realistic to think that I'm going to trade perfectly, meaning that I'm going to catch the exact bottom or get out at the exact top of any move. And I think as a new trader, I used to think that, like, if I didn't get the dead bottom, I wasn't going to take the trade. And when I would look back, you know, a few weeks or a month later at the same setup, I would have been kicking myself because usually the stock had gone the direction that I thought it had and had made a much bigger move. And I was being so, I guess, you know, kind of tripping over dollars trying to save dimes. And so I've tried to adjust my thinking in understanding that, you know, I'm not going to get the exact bottom. I'm not going to get the exact top, but if I can remember to get the middle of the move, get the middle of most moves, you know, that's going to be profitable and be very good for uh, my profitability as a trader. And what I think that it also does is, you know, takes off that pressure of finding that exact bottom or that exact top. I just, I, I guess, I guess I can't speak for other traders, but I just don't think it's realistic to think that most traders are going to be able to, to hit that exactly. And um, I think that, you know, understanding the time frame that you're trading in and what the setup is, you know, and what the context of the move is, that understanding that if you can consistently get the, the middle part of most moves you know, that's certainly going to be um, very good for your trading account. Absolutely, 100%. So I'd like to ask you um, a little bit about patience. This is something you've mentioned just before, and I've heard you speak about it in the past. Um, I mean, it seems to be a very important trait to you. Could you perhaps talk about some of the reasons why you feel this is, this is crucial to your trading success? I think that patience is... Uh, one of the hardest things, you know, in trading, and, and it is even for myself, I still say that I don't have enough patience most of the time. And especially with the swing trades, obviously, but the intraday trades as well, I think that having some patience and having a plan and setting your risk and allowing your plan to work many times results in bigger gains. I think what happens, I know to myself, you know, and I think for many of us, because we're sitting here staring at our computer screens and watching things tick by tick as they go by and watching, you know, other things moving, it's easy to get distracted and sidetracked, you know, out of what your current trade is um, to chase something else or to go into something else. And that patience, I, I know for myself, almost always when I look back at charts, I say, you know, gosh, I didn't have enough patience with that setup. I didn't have enough patience, you know, and, and it's easy in hindsight to go back and look to know what you should have done. And it's much more difficult to be practicing, you know, real time as the trades developing. Um, but good trades and good setups, they take time to play out. And whether that's a swing trade 
or an intraday trade, um, a lot of times those trades, you know, given a certain amount of time within that set risk will provide some, you know, I guess some really nice gains. And it just takes patience. It takes not staring at it. And it also takes, you know, understanding what the price action is doing, because unfortunately, you know, most times things don't go up in a straight line. And, and when you see your stock move up and then maybe it needs to reset and work off some overbought conditions and you see it pulling back some, you start second guessing yourself and you start seeing other things that are moving that you think, you know, might be a better setup or you want to be in. And so it's easy to not have patience and get distracted by other trades or second guess yourself because you're staring at it. So, you know, more patience, less staring. I like that. That's, that's really good. So seeing as you're involved with many up and coming traders, what are the type of things that you find most beginning traders struggle with? What are some, and what are some of the questions you're often asked by those still trying to, to find, find their feet essentially? Sure. Um, I think that one of the, or some of the, the biggest struggles that I see with new traders is the first thing is that they think that trading is easy, you know, and I don't know where that, if that comes through a lot of the social media today or, or you know, I, I think from the outside looking in, I mean, I guess I know I've had that comment to myself personally from, you know, friends and family, oh, must be nice. It must be so easy to be a trader. And I'm like, well, if it's so easy, why doesn't everybody do it? You know, and the reality of it is it's just not, it's not easy. You're going to get out of it what you put into it. And I think a lot of traders, new traders come to the table. They just want to start pushing buttons. They don't want to take time to educate themselves. They come in with absolutely no plan or strategy or understanding of their personality style of what trade style they may want to be pursuing. You know, do you want to swing trade? Do you want to day trade? You know, how are you going to make your decisions to enter um, enter a position and how are you going to manage that position and what's your risk tolerance going to be? You know, what are your options for exiting a, a trade? They just want to sit down and they want to start pushing buttons and they want alerts. And I think to have longevity, you know, trading is not easy and most traders, you know, may or may not make it. And to have longevity in trading, I think that it's very important for you to have a plan and to make sure that any setups you're taking, whether it's ones you found yourself or other ideas you find out, uh, you know, through a service or on social media, that you take that idea and you make sure that you make it your own setup, you know, and that you understand what your plan would be for that. I think that, you know, and oftentimes people will say, is it still a good buy here? You know, well, to me, if somebody is saying, you know, in a chat room or wherever it is, is it a good buy here? That's telling me you have no plan. You just want to chase because you see something moving. So if you're having to ask someone else, is it still a good buy here? You have a big problem, in my opinion. And the problem is you have no plan and you need to spend time. The market, the market is going to extract a cost of education for everybody who comes into this trading and what that cost is going to be is going to depend a lot on how quickly you are able to, you know, come to terms with a number of different things, you know, what your plan is, you know, can you stay disciplined? Can you follow your rules? Can you manage your emotions? Um, you know, and are you going to be able to think for yourself as a trader? Because I, I know when I started trading, it never occurred to me 
to care about whether somebody else was in or out of a trade. And I see today so many people wanting to be in or out of a trade because I'm in it or somebody else is in it. And that's not a reason to be in a trade. You need to be in a trade because it makes sense for your style of trading and your time frame and what your plan is. Because relying on somebody else telling you it's a good idea or, yeah, it's still a good buy here, you don't know what that person's position is, what their time frame is, what their plan is, and how quickly that plan may be ch- you know, may change at a moment's notice that they're not going to convey that to you. So you need to have ownership and take responsibility for your trading, you know, in order to have longevity as a trader. One other thing that I, that I also see that is, I think a struggle for new traders is mixing styles. So they come in and they want to swing trade and they want to day trade. And I think that it's, that's difficult to do. I think people are often wired for one direction or the other. And I think that with time, you can certainly do both. But I think as a new trader, it's important to decide what style of trading you're going to do. You know, are you going to use fundamentals? Are you going to use technical analysis? What tools are going to make sense for your trading and become consistent at that before you move on to trying something else? A lot of them want to jump from one strategy to another. You know, everybody gets a hot hand now and then. Every site, every trader, you know, everybody will get a hot hand from time to time. And it seems like, you know, new traders are very willing to jump ship and try something new very quickly just because something else is hot coming down the road before they're able to um, develop consistency within themselves. And I also have seen a lot of traders who, you know, want to trade stocks and options and futures all at once as new traders. And again, I think it goes back to picking your battles and making sure you become consistent with one thing before you decide to move on to other things. And, and that takes time. That's such a brilliant answer. I'm, I'm so pleased you, um, you shared all those really great points there. That's, that was awesome. If you could give us a little insight to your life away from the markets, how do you like to unwind and, and get some downtime when needed? I think that uh, downtime is really important. And, and before I say what I enjoy, I will say that When I was a new trader, I remember spending an inordinate amount of time in front of the screen. I mean, from, you know, 6 or 6.30 in the morning, my time until well into the evening, just being glued to the screen. And I think that that was definitely not healthy for my trading and, you know, my my emotional well-being. And so today uh, in my trading as soon as the market closes or very soon after, I'm I'm out of here, you know, and I can come back in the evening and do some scans, you know, and, and get prepared for the next day. But, you know, we live in Montana. We um, both grew up fishing and hunting and riding horses. So we love all of the outdoor things that Montana brings with us. So, you know, usually in the afternoons we're riding the horses. We might go for a hike. Sometimes we're fishing, doing, you know, doing chores, you know, turning the ponies in and out, cleaning pens playing with the dogs, you know, in the wintertime, maybe doing some skiing. So we lead, you know, a, a very active lifestyle and we're very lucky to live where we do and, and be in this beautiful place. So um, we definitely take a lot of time to enjoy that. And I think as a trader, it's really important to have that balance. It's very easy to get sucked into being tied to that screen for 12 hours a day, seven days a week. And I think that at least for myself, I know that 
having those breaks. And even during the day, I will take breaks and um, go out, you know, to throw the ball for the dogs or maybe go out, you know, and do some chores for, you know, 30 or 40 minutes over the lunchtime. I think taking those breaks even during the day um, is very, a very good, you know, mental break for you um, and helps keep some balance in your life because it's just very easy to get sucked into, you know, this trading thing that we do on, you know, uh, way too many hours a day spending in front of the screen. That's excellent. Yeah, that's a really great point. So let's uh, let's start to wind the uh, the interview down. I've just got a few more questions which I'm keen to ask you um, and that should take us out. But what's one area of your trading that you'd like to work on more and improve going forward from here? I think definitely my patience, even though I, I feel like I'm, you know, I do have good patience. I still feel like I never have enough patience. So working on uh, you know, just continuing to be more patient with the setups that I trade personally. And I, I enjoy working, you know, with the new traders. So, you know, continuing to help traders, you know, who are, who are coming into the business, you know, help them try and find their way and, and hopefully maybe give them a few tools that, that can help them on their journey. Cool, cool. Okay. And speaking of helping people, you're also very involved with uh, Traders for a Cause. So, would you like to just tell us a little bit about this? I mean, it's, you know, it's a, it's a great cause and I'd like to, you know, give it a little bit of attention. So yeah, tell us a little bit about what the charity is all about. Sure. So Traders for a Cause, um, it was founded two years ago by Nate Michaud and I'm on the board of directors there. So I just have a kind of a helper role, Nate and, you know, some of the other folks on there have really headed this up, but Nate had asked me if, if I wanted to be involved you know, with the goal of, you know, being an organization to help promote, you know, giving back, you know, in the trading community. I think that, you know, as traders, we have a very fortunate lifestyle with a lot of opportunities to make, you know, a really nice living. And it's easy to get caught up in, you know, the money and the cars and the, you know, whatever, whatever your material things are. And we forget how fortunate we are to be able to do what we do. So, you know, Nate founded this with the idea of, you know, working towards traders, um, you know, being able to give back. And so the first year we, we have our event every year in, in September uh, in Vegas, and they bring in five or six or seven different speakers every year. So um, going to the event, not only is it supporting different charitable organizations, but it's a great opportunity to learn from other traders to meet other traders, you know, people maybe that, you know, online, but you haven't had a chance to meet with in person. And I know for myself personally, that interaction, I mean, every year I've come away from the event feeling, you know, happy to be able to give back, but also very inspired as a trader, um, from getting to hear other people's stories and learning from other traders who are out there. This can be a very lonely endeavor that we're in, you know, often in, in an office in our house, you know, not interacting with any other people. I sometimes, you know, I always joke that I'm, you know, kind of a hobbit in my little cave down here. And so getting out and getting to meet with other traders is great. The first year, um, Traders for a Cause raised over $100,000. And we had two organizations we gave to care.org and then to the Bachman, Strauss, Dystonia and Parkinson's Foundation. And this year we raised 175000 thousand um, we gave to the breast cancer research foundation give well and the honor flight so you know i think that you know we want to continue to grow this you know nate's done a, a great job with his vision with this 
um, and it's received a great response in the community. I think it will just continue to grow. Yeah, that's very cool. Nice work. So, I mean, you just had an event recently, didn't you? Who were some of the speakers there? So our event uh, just got over this year in Vegas. We had it uh, late or excuse me, late September, and we had uh, Peter Brandt was there, Kunal was there, and did a presentation. Jack Schweiger was there. You know, we had a great lineup. We had a um, roundtable discussion Sunday morning where we had everybody, you know, several of the people that were up there and some of the traders that we know up there answering questions. So, you know, great, great event. They do golf on Friday. They have speakers all day Saturday and then Sunday morning. And then, you know, everybody can take off Sunday afternoon. So just a, a super great event. Yeah, it, it sure sounds like it. I mean, I hope to make it over that way sometime. I was actually in Vegas uh, December last year, but um, yeah, I mean, awesome place and very keen to go back sometime. So I might have to try and line it up. Now, there's a number of ways that listeners can find out more about you. So let's just run through those uh, real quick. So uh, you were recently featured in the new book titled Momo Traders. Uh, what's this about and where can listeners go to find out more on this? So listen. Listeners um, can go to momotraders.com to um, find out more about the book or to purchase the book. And it is a book that has the basically the stories of 10 different traders who were all regular people who got into trading and kind of their journey and their story and the different styles of trading, you know, the different setups that everybody likes. And just a great, again, a great inspirational book for new traders and experienced traders to learn from, you know, people who were just regular people in life who went down the trading path in their journey. Um, and also the majority of the proceeds from that book, all of the traders that were interviewed in the book, um, you know, didn't get paid for being in it. We are donating our portion of the book again towards the traders for a cause charities. So super great book and a lot of really interesting stories in there. That's very cool. That's uh, that's one I'm certainly keen to read. And tell us a little bit about Trading on the Fly. Give us just the rundown on, on what subscribers can expect. So Trade on the Fly is the site that I run. It's a swing trade service. It's a great community of like-minded traders. We do trader education through, I have a DVD that I have completed this last year that's the basics of swing trading using technical analysis. We have an archive library of all of the past webinars, which are driven primarily by member questions. And then I pick a different topic occasionally to discuss in the webinars. We, I do scans three times a week that uh, members can look through and find ideas there uh, for trading if they don't have time to do their own scanning. And then I also have a private Twitter feed where I will put out setups and ideas that I see um, ahead of time. And, and the idea with these, you know, and I will offer to um, the members, you know, my suggested entries there. But as always, and I, I tell everybody, you know, you need to take the setups and make them your own. This is what I see and this is how I would trade it. But you need to make sure that you make that setup your own. And then we also have a chat room that we put swing trade setups in and then we day trade in the chat room as well. And I have uh, moderators in there and uh, the other moderators that are in there between myself and the other moderators, we have over 40 years of trading experience between us and different styles of trading in there and different thoughts on the market. So it's a really nice environment, not only for um, setups and ideas, but we also, you know, give advice 
advice as far as, you know, how the market's acting or give our thoughts on it and, you know, just kind of help new traders along the way find their path and, and to understand and work through, you know, different areas of the market. If things are, you know, getting scary and the market's falling, you know, we, we can help people understand, you know, what's happening so that they're not on their own trying to figure out what's happening out there. So just a, a great community of, uh, of traders and very supportive of new people wanting to learn. Yeah, nice. That's really good. So if listeners want to uh, find out more about Michelle's trade on the fly service, you can just go to chatwithtraders.com forward slash offshore. And for full transparency, guys, that is an affiliate link. So if you do decide to sign up, I will receive a small kickback, but the price is not inflated whatsoever in order for me to be compensated. So if you'd like to find out more, just go to chatwithtraders.com forward slash offshore. That's O-F-F-S-H-O-R-E. And last of all, if listeners would like to connect with you on Twitter, what's your handle, Michelle? My public Twitter handle is Offshore Hunters with an S on the end. Okay, excellent. So I highly suggest you guys go um, follow Michelle on Twitter. And if you're interested in finding out more about her service, chatwithtraders.com forward slash offshore. All right, Michelle, well, thank you very much for doing this. This has been a lot of fun and very insightful. Um, enjoy your evening and let's speak again soon. Sounds great, Aaron. Thank you very much for having me on. I appreciate your time. You've come to the end of this episode of Chat with Traders, but don't worry, more great episodes are on the way. To stay updated with each great new episode, be sure to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes, and we'd love it if you leave us a rating and review. We'll see you next time on Chat with Traders.